0: Taichi asked Shingeo, how do you get people to start implementing Lean? Without hesitation, he said, the first thing you have to do is make the work easier. Then the work becomes better and then better work becomes faster and faster work becomes cheaper to deliver.
1: From SSR Studios, it's Tech Vitals, a show about emerging technologies and innovations. We will take a deeper dive at how things like AI, VR, and sensor technologies are changing how we live and work. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Hilliard.
0: And I'm your other host, Debbie Gregory. We are
1: searching for cutting edge people using technology to solve cutting edge problems. Each episode, we will be interviewing amazing thought leaders that are navigating the uncharted waters of emerging technology chances are your projects may experience their own unique form of downtime dilemmas. Today, we continue our sit-down discussion with the CEO and host of the EBFC. That's short for the easier, better, faster construction podcast show, Felipe Engineer Enriquez. We unpack some key project fundamentals around lean construction mechanics that help to accelerate constraints of essential project resources, expedite established task durations and optimize the wbs construction budgets as you visualize your programs and begin to apply these insights against personal project experiences be both honest and a little vulnerable to reflect on the good the bad and the occasionally intense situations that halted your team's overall velocity Listen up and try on these proven lean principles within your current or upcoming project team opportunities. Well, and as you guys are talking that through, one of the other elements that sometimes gets bypassed, but it's also tangentially part of that same exercise, is how can the environment change how you program all of the spaghetti strings? And so, as we are thinking about design, IoT, emerging technologies. Basically, uh, place and purpose for how is my environment reactive to my behaviors, like as a user, whether you're support staff, whether you're clinician, facility manager, tra- patient transport, you name it, every different user has different dynamic needs. But if we could start to build a facility infrastructure that has responsiveness to minimize the Nike footsteps of the nurses' cushy shoes, yeah. uh, it makes the whole process better, uh, but it takes a lot to get there. And a lot of that is just almost extracting uh, those pain points, those constraints of why did you walk eight times to that place? Like, is it, how could we shorten that path by bringing information to you? And a lot of it is just the the continuing trends from the leaders in consumer uh, electronics and behaviors of like the age of experience, the blend of the digital and the physical worlds. And that's something that both Debbie and I are are super geeky about. <laughs> we can put anybody to sleep with that stuff, but um, but it's it's very much ties into the eight waste. And if you could take a second just to kind of highlight, what are the eight wastes? And we're yeah, not talking absolutely. garbage garbage trucks and recycle yeah. bins. We're talking true,
0: I you know, opportunities for waste. Well, there's a, been a long study in industrial engineering. And this is where Taichi Ono, who helped to develop the Toyota production system, that's what he was actually trained in. And Shingeo Shingo, who was his prime consultant that he used, because even he needed to hire a coach and help him. A lot of people don't know that. Shout out to Shingeo. Shingeo actually helped to name my podcast too, Zach, the easier, better for construction podcast. When Taiichi asked Shingeo, how do you get people to start implementing lean? Without hesitation, he said, first thing you have to do is make the work easier. Then the work becomes better. And then better work becomes faster. And faster work becomes cheaper to deliver. So your costs go down. And so that's why I named my show. Thank you, Shingeo. Appreciate you. But they made famous this idea of non-value add. And there are three main categories of non-value add. Zach, you're just thinking of one of them. Downtime or the eight wastes is just but one. There are two others. The other two are overburdened, making people or equipment or processes be at 100% capacity or capability is actually causes overburden. If you go over, then it, it, things break, systems break, processes fail. So overburden is one. And that'll lead to the other eight wastes as well. And then the other one is variation. In everything we do, just like showing up to this podcast, like we had a time that we said... But there was variation when we actually started due to just normal environment, things that you can't control for. And so that variation happens with people in design and construction all the time. And if you can minimize variation with I mean, using common sense, don't get crazy now, people. We're not trying to have like a micromanager Lego movie universe where we're gonna super glue all of you into position. That's not gonna happen. We're not talking about that. And then so those are the those are two, and then those lead to just pure non-value add, which is we refer to as the typical eight wastes, which I always remember as downtime, but some people like to remember Tim, would you? So these are, as an acronym, I'll go in order from memory with downtime because that's how I like it better. The D stands for defects. It's the waste involved with having to fix things that were made incorrectly. So in construction, we have defects on every single project. We call them punch list items. These are corrections, and they can also happen in design. In the design phase, we call them issues log items. (laughs) So the things that we know that they're not right and they've got to be fixed, those are defects. So that's the D in downtime. The O stands for overproduction, producing more than what is required by the customer or the next person in line in the supply chain. So if you only need me to answer this question on downtime, but then I tell you about variation and overburden, you're like, dang, Felipe, you did two things I didn't even ask you for. And you just wasted like seven more minutes on this podcast. See, that could happen. But maybe you like that stuff and it's valuable for you. But it depends. It depends on the customer. So that's overproduction. The W stands for waiting. Waiting is one of the number one. I survey people all the time, Zach and Debbie. And they always tell me, that when they learn about the eight wastes, waiting is always in the top three. Waiting for information, waiting for material, waiting for resources, waiting for people. That waiting just slows people down. This is why it takes years to build buildings. There's so much waiting that happens. It's terrible. It's a waste. And then that's the W. Then uh, if I'm spelling this right, N stands for non-utilized talent. It's ignoring the complete possible, beautiful, glorious human being in front of you and not utilizing all of their capabilities. Non-utilized talent is another type of waste, which is, as hard to quantify and measure, but it's deadly. Like if you knew what I know about computer software and you just let me work as a general contractor, never tap into my computer programming capabilities, just imagine all that extra money you wasted on consultants where you could have just asked me to program it and I could have done it but you never know if you don't ask. And so ask, be curious to minimize that non-utilized talent with your teams.
1: What we'll say, we'll say, what a waste that was, right?
0: What a waste, what a waste. That's the N. T stands for transportation. Transportation is the waste associated with moving materials and equipment. And, and that's it, materials and equipment, more than what is required. And so then the I stands for inventory. Inventory is a waste associated with having too much of something that you have to keep track of it. If you have to create a system to keep track of all the stuff that you have, you probably have too much stuff. And that all that time that you're tracking it slows you down from doing what's actually needed for the next person in line in the supply chain or the customer themselves. And then the M stands for motion. That's the waste associated with people walking to and fro without creating value. If I have to go and get that special battery for my mouse so that I can continue making my design. The time that I move to go get it and walk back is all waste. If only I could have a mouse that just plugs in and recharges itself, or yeah, or other type of charging, or maybe no mouse, just go trackpad. I don't know, it depends. And so it's just waste of motion. And like, or if we have a, an office setting and we have one copier and, uh, all that time you go into any auto dealership, a lot of auto dealerships have figured this out. So if you if you ever go into the service, I just had my car service this week and I noticed this. Every service writer had a has a printer next to them. They no longer have to walk towards a like department printer because they found out that they are wasting too much of their service writers' time walking for prints instead of just having it right at their fingertips. Because printers are cheap but service writers' labor costs are very expensive. It's much cheaper to have printers for everybody. And in the next iteration, they'll figure out that everyone has a a smartphone and an email address and a minimum, and you can just email them all that paperwork. You don't have to actually have it printed out anymore, but they'll get there, Zach. They're not there yet. And so that's the M for motion. Then finally, the E is excess processing, delivering to a higher level of quality than the customer needs requires, or wants. And so like, if I want a Chevy car and I only need three coats of paint on it, I would not go for a BMW or a Mercedes, which has, I think my friend told me nine coats or 10 coats of paint. If it's not white, if it's white, it has nine coats of paint primer plus paint, you know, versus my Chevy that only has three coats. But I also have a Toyota too, just by the way, because I love them. So those are examples of the eight wastes. And when you can recognize those wastes, you can see them everywhere. And when you see them everywhere, that's the first thing you do to eliminate. Because if I stop doing the eight wastes, I instantaneously have more capacity to do more value creating work. And now I can do things like learning every day. Like I actually spend time every single day learning something new because I'm always minimizing things that are not valuable for people that I work for or people that hire me. It actually
1: reminded me too, and I've applied it even from just a little, um, you know, research or I guess my passion around Scrum and Lean of the OODA loop.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: that OODA loop. Me, it's a, we should unpack that, Zach. Tell I, people I what the OODA loop lo- is. So OODA loop, which is first I was like, what did he just say, you know? But uh, it's observe, orient, decide, and act. And just putting it into that like four-pane structure of basically anything. Because so much of design construction, you get into these, I'll say high tension meetings where decisions need to get made, time is of the essence. There's financial constraints, there's resource constraints, there's supply chain constraints. And you just have to really apply that and say, okay, let's observe the the scenario. What's the situation in the environment? You know, orient ourselves to facts decide on what is the most logical rational approach and take action to it because without doing each one of those check boxes we're still stuck in this like anxious icky feeling uh and it does it doesn't do anything for the team so it's tough and it takes some courage i think to apply those principles but it's i attribute that back to just what i've learned already from scrum and lean and you know, I can't wait to take Felipe's class someday. I think it's gonna, gonna <laughs> yeah. be really, really unpack a whole lot of. I probably drive Debbie crazy now. She's probably gonna be like, "Oh my gosh, no, don't scrum that, Zach! Please don't do that." You know, uh, it'll think, it'll just change our behaviors.
0: I think I want to take the class as well. Yeah, yeah. it's not, it's very practical.
1: Well, in the clinic, in the clinician side, and the design side, and the construction management side, and the ownership side. You know, and and then even like in the support model, I mean, I just think of all of the incredibly talented like IT staff and uh, clinical engineering, biomedical engineering staff, and what are the frustration and pain points that they have? It's the reason they have to wear a hard hat is because part of the job is to go bang your head against the wall one time every day. (laughs) like. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it, it just, <laughs> that way, right? I'm
1: only laughing because it sounds so close to reality. It's got to yeah, be true. Just, we've, if you've lived it once, you're like, you know, this gives you that optimistic little nugget to say, like, to your point, learn something new, change, change the situation for yourself and for your team for the better. How do you ID a last responsible
0: moment? Yeah, the first thing you have to do in order to do it responsibly, you have to visualize the work in some way, shape, or form. So some people claim, and they make this claims act, and I'm just saying, they claim it. They claim that a critical path method schedule does that, and I claim otherwise. And I said, there's a reason why that, that uh, critical path method scheduling in construction doesn't work so consistently. And if you don't believe me, the research has been done, three out of four projects on average are late. And people will always make stories about it was too many design changes or the market changed or this and that, but that's just not the case. There's a difference between, you know, projects that can finish in time and those that don't. And making the the, the work more visible and more broken down into smaller pieces that makes sense to people, like, like as, as they do the work, it's going to be much better. So make, make the work visible, step one. Once you make the work visible, and if I know that you're hyper-focused on this IT backbone stuff, and I could see like some kind of information that came from your mouth to a sticky note or a digital solution, some way, shape, or form. And I've got context for what you need to what level you need it, what it is. If I'm the one that's going to supply what you're attaching to, you know, in this example, then I know when I should really bother you for, you know, how many, how many of those are for going optical, you know, does optical fiber cable weigh less than, ethernet copper cable? I bet you it does. I bet it does. But then you've got these relay points where you've got to make these connections because you're not going to do a continuous optical brain. Like look at, look at us nerd out here, Zach, on on cables, but you'll know that stuff. And then you can ask, and I only know it because I'm not looking at at a bar that just says cabling, right? So we're making the work visible. Like what kind of cabling? Am I, are we still early on where we're evaluating potential options? And if we're evaluating a bunch of options, then we need to work hand in glove where I'm going to give you information on different options, like what types of options are you considering, right? So then that is going to play a factor. So when you can make the work visible, you can't ID that last responsible moment without making the work visible first. And once you do, I think it might have been William Edwards Deming, who made famous the PDCA cycle, which John Boyd studied to make the OODA loop, by the way, Zach? You learned that in the Scrum Master class. We cover that. That makes uh, sense.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Like <laughs> when you're just saying that, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, and, and, and the PDCA, yeah, definitely tell, tell the mean, audience what that is.
0: They're totally married together. Uh, Deming said that when people can see what is really happening, they instinctually know what to do and without a lot of overhead on thought. So it's more obvious. Like when you're driving your car, you see a green light in the distance and you're traveling 35 miles an hour, you might not cover your brake going through an intersection, especially if you're, but if I'm in Texas, like especially in the Dallas area, and I'm going to go through an intersection, I'm going to cover my brake. My God, it's congested. And you never know. Like, so, but if I'm in the, I'm in a country road and I can see like the field is, is been already harvested and I can see across all directions and there are no vehicles. I'm probably not only am I not going to cover my brake pedal, I'm going to put some more gas on that and get through that intersection a little faster. Cause I enjoy some acceleration. I do like to go faster, Zach. I'm going to, I'm just going to admit that right now. It's in and the name it. of your podcast. Yeah. I mean, I like going obvious. fast. Yeah. So I think you definitely, you need to have some way, even if you have traditional, if you're on a project right now, and you're just like, man, I can't learn all this stuff right now. Maybe you can't, but you can definitely look at your schedule and and look at where you are with the work at hand and ask the person before you and after you, what are they going to deliver to you? And then what do they really need you to deliver to them? And then you're making it more visual just right there. You've taken the schedule as a cue to make you ask before you, you, and after you. And that's going to make it so much more obvious when you can take that time necessary to bring that quality to the level you want. I Maybe I'm crazy, Zach and Debbie, but I think everybody should be able to go to work and do work at a level that they're proud of every single day. And so that means you don't cut corners. Now we can enable that by asking those types of questions and then giving people the space and the time so they can do that. When I do Scrum and Last Planner System with teams, I never cut people's time down. I'm often always like, either an architect or superintendent look at me cross-eyed when somebody says, I need three weeks to do that activity. And I say, you know what? Why don't you take four weeks? Or, you know what? Take five weeks. And then we look at breaking that work down to where that handoff point is and finding out when can they hand off something that releases the next person. And then they can still take that additional three weeks to iterate on their quality where they need it to be before it affects the next handoff. And then that takes the pressure off and everything just gets better. You don't have to always like cut the time. Pressure relief valve engineered into a design process. Exactly. Everybody okay. steal that. Ask those questions. What, what is the person, if in order for me to do my job, what do I need the person before me to give me? And then ask the person receiving your work, how much of what I'm doing do you really need? And then make them tell you out loud what they're going to do with it. And Because if, if they give you a bad answer, you just say, oh, how are you going to use that? And then you can get a better sense of like, oh, now we're communicating at a much higher level. As you say that, I'm applying that to so many things, even the, going to the grocery store. And like you were saying earlier, you've applied all that in your own home and in your activities of daily living. But it really is transformative in the way that you think and and work. And educating your team on those same principles is so effective because once you have everybody going in the same direction, like the, you know, rugby ball, that creates such
1: a great work, such a better work product and work environment.
0: Yeah, and People get into a state of flow too, Debbie, like when you get into a state of flow, you even lose track of time, like time just vanishes And people get into the state where you don't even realize what's going on, but you're doing some really high value work and you feel, it feels more fun and exciting. And there's an energy. When a team is all working in one direction, you can feel like, ooh, there's something happening here. It's like magic. And so, but you can create those conditions so you can have it all the time. Like I do the same thing, like you said, when I go grocery shopping, like I, I, before I leave the driveway, I think okay, I've got to go to two stores because I'm very, I like a certain type of like mix of food from a certain place. And then I can't get it at this one store. So when do I go there? Is it hot or cold? Is it, what's the temperature outside? Can I get by Do I need that special freezer bag or can I just get by Cause it's cold enough and I can just go to that cold stuff first. And so all these calculations run through my head and then I optimize the route and then off I go. And then I come back like a boss and I fill in the the refrigerator, the COVID freezer, and then the other freezer, because you got to have that backup, and then the backup pantry, and then I have a special snack pantry that only I know about. So hopefully, my wife and son aren't listening to this, and they don't know about that snack pantry.
1: Uh, I, I thought you were going to take us on a pivot and be like, and as soon as I have it optimized, Uber Eats, DoorDash, and everything <laughs> else, <laughs> like because I I'm going to optimize and automate the process. So why would you? Why would I even get in my car? You know, yeah. but. But that's so true, because you're, and that's a great example just to apply that. We talked about visual communication a little bit uh, earlier. Is there anything else just to talk uh, or share with our our audience, Felipe, around innovation tools or design design tech practices for delivering visual communications? We talked through a couple examples already. Yeah,
0: a lot of good things I've seen, uh, especially in the design community. And, and you, a lot of design teams will run with traditional meeting minute notes. And I've seen some of the better uh, practices in design is they'll actually take screenshots of different things. Like if there's an issue and, and there's a model or somebody's drawn something, even a sketch, they'll just put that right in the meeting minute note rather than just the static text. A picture is worth a thousand words. And guess what? A video is worth a billion. And so if you can, do a, if you can use a program, like there's a, there's a company called Revisto, which integrates a couple of different models together and allows you to also track issues and communicate in real time, kind of like uh, like Slack does or some of these other programs. And so you can look at the model, create points, make comments, at people, like the shift, the number two, at symbol them. So they get a notification and say, hey, I'm talking about this thing. And then it, they click on a link and it takes them right to that space. It's like a movie. It shows them like what the issue is. And it becomes like super clear and obvious. So those are like different ways to use even more technology, but you can always just take a screenshot like a, just a freaking easy screenshot and just plug it into your minute and then bring, it, bring more richness to the conversation rather than forcing people, overburdening people have to remember like, oh, second floor, third hallway, hallway L75, like man, what does that even mean? I don't even know what, who's numbering these hallways? Come on, can we get some better descriptive names? But uh, that's just another rant for another time. As we build the digital
1: transformation of Industry 4.0, get connected with our innovative team. If this conversation has left you inspired, curious, or just wanting to hear more about emerging technology, there are a couple ways you can join us. We welcome you to subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. For more resources about today's content, Please check out the episode show notes or drop us an email techvitals at ssr culture matters. Our mission is to make a positive difference for our clients, colleagues, and communities. See our mission in action on your favorite social platform on Instagram at Smith Reed. on Twitter at ssr underscore inc on LinkedIn at SSR and on Facebook at Smith Seckman This podcast would not be possible without our incredibly talented team of experts, our senior communications associate, Lauren Dean, and the exceptional support staff at SSR HQ located in Nashville, Tennessee.